Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Ruby Rogues podcast. This week on our panel, we have Luke Stutters. Hello. We also have Valentino Stoll. Hey there. I'm sad that I missed your first week, but that's life sometimes. I'm Charles Maxwood from devchat.tv. And this week, we have a special guest. It's Hans Schnedlitz. Well done. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, thanks for coming. When I went freelance, I was still only a few years into my development career. My first contract, I was paid 60 bucks an hour. Due to feedback from my friends, I raised it to 120 bucks an hour on the next contract. And due to the podcasts I was involved in and the screencasts I had made in the past, I started getting calls from people I'd never even heard of who wanted me to do development work for them because I had done that kind of work or talked about or demonstrated that kind of work in the videos and podcasts that I was making. Within a year, I was able to more than double my freelancing rates and I had more work than I could handle. If you're thinking about freelancing or have a profitable but not busy or fulfilling freelance practice, let me show you how to do it in my Dev Heroes Accelerator. Dev Heroes aren't just people who devs admire, they're also people who deliver for clients who know, like, and trust them. Let me help you double your income and fill your slowdowns. You can learn more at devheroesaccelerator.com. Now, you wrote this really interesting article about, I read through it and it was, you have a sidekick job that kind of reports back over action cable to give us status updates. And I was just like, oh, this is all technology except for sidekick that I'm not as familiar with. So anyway, yeah, I was just kind of curious what prompted this. Like, did you work on something like this for work? And then you were like, hey, other people ought to know how to do this or... Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of a long story to be honest. Like so back in, in January, I was looking into how to report on long running processes on on service. Like Jason Sweat built like a Docker-based based Rails getting started thing. And he the way he did it was you run basically a little little shell script and it creates your template on the server and reports it back to you. And it was like Okay, so you got like this thing going on the server um, with a little command line thing. How do you, like, there's a lot going on there. How can you let users know what's going on? How can you, like, report progress, for example, right? Or report errors live? How do you have a nice command line app that does that? And I went down the rabbit hole, like I wrote uh, another post on how to log in with OAuth from the command line as well. And rabbit hole from there, looked for, for resources, didn't find any. So I wrote some. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I've seen sidekick workers that seem to be working on the same job forever. And yeah, it's like, did it hang? <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. And so, yeah, something like this would be really nice, right? If I could just shell in and connect to the web socket and, and figure out what's going on. So another inspiration was these uh, tools I work work with on a daily basis, like privately a lot of Heroku CLI, which is pretty much like the same thing. You provision some servers, something's going on, you see a little spinner, you see some logs, and also uh, Google Cloud, uh, where you like provision some resources and it takes a while, and all you see is a spinner. And I was also inspired by that. Like, can you actually let users know what is going on? In the background because that makes right. like a nice user experience yep absolutely. my favorite quote from this article is about the psychic workers and i quote from hans here Uh-oh. it won't be doing any actual work it will <laughs> mostly be taking a nap and i thought yes yes these things these psychic jobs are not workers at all they're actually nappers <laughs> for demo purposes you know just let them sleep just let them sleep a bit 
it's a it's a powerful point. I mean, uh, previous experiences of psychic side, and as Valentino said, the Schrodinger's uh, Schrodinger's yeah, background job is the game we often play in the world of rails. You know, what could my job be doing? Has it started? Has it finished? Is it not picking up the queue? Is Redis running? These are all important questions that we deal with on a daily basis. But yeah, I, I like the idea of renaming workers to waiters or resters. That's a that's a good idea. <laughs> that's what they're doing yeah sure why not yep so one thing that that kind of got me interested a little bit was the idea of using action cable for this because you see action cable used mostly in web applications right on the server to, to report back into things but you have it reporting back into a cli app right so yeah how'd you come up with that yeah well you need you need to to have some way to stream updates live updates as they happen. And there's a couple of ways you can do that, like maybe long polling, but again, like Rails just gives you action cable out of the box. So why not just do that? And the main main challenge actually with that was to get a component on your command line app that can receive these WebSocket updates as they come in, which surprisingly, like finding a library that actually does that for me and getting it to work was the, the trickiest part about that. Like, Action cable, sidekick, all of that on the server, easy peasy, but finding a, or creating the command line component that starts a server, listens to updates, subscribes to a channel, then listens to updates. That was a very interesting, interesting part. Yeah. And it's very tidy. You're in and out in about 10 lines. You use the async WebSocket. Yeah. I mean, it omits, uh, like I said, it's a prototype and omits a lot of stuff. Like there's no error handling. There's no actual handling of, um, of the messages you get from the server, but the, the base of it is pretty concise. Yeah, I agree. It's a very nice thing, actually. Yeah, I'm interested that you used a WebSocket. Traditionally, when you're doing the bidirectional communication from command line, a lot of people think just a raw socket connection or, or something like that, which can be very tedious to implement, right? I don't mm -hmm. know if anybody's done that here, but it's, it's a lot of work to manage kind of like that event loop or or bidirectional connection. And if Rails gives us an ability to do that already, it definitely made a lot of sense when I was reading through, oh, like that seems like a great use case, uh, especially if people are already familiar with Rails, right? You get a lot of stuff out of the box already. And using Thor, which is what Rails uses as well, you're kind of keeping it all in the same wheelhouse, uh, making it easier to extend on it. Yeah. So since you mentioned sockets and, and so on, uh, upfront, I'm super new to, not super new, but relatively new to Rails and Ruby. Like uh, I'm hitting around like three years now just working with Ruby. So I'm actually super new. And so I like to stick with the stuff that I know. And that's mostly the stuff that Rails just gives you, which is everything that you mentioned, like Thor, super nice, nice tool to just write a, a command line app real quickly, action cable. Rails just gives you that and so on. You now, Sidekick being kind of the exception, but you can can do the same same thing with Action Job. Oh, what's it called? Mm -hmm. Active Job. I can't remember. I know I use it. <laughs> so, sorry. <laughs> it's the one of those. <laughs> something, something job. Yeah. Yep. The trouble of learning four is that when you Google for help, you just get Chris Hemsworth. <laughs> yeah. I, I was a little curious too, because I mean, I've, I've been doing Rails for years and years and years, and I haven't really done a whole lot with Thor. So did you did you have, I mean, what was the learning curve on some of this stuff? Mm -hmm. So I'm a day job. 
I'm using for just for, for fun. Like, um, how do I put this? Like, I like to have stuff set up so the person after me has an has an easy time, like project setup and so on. Mm-hmm. Remember when I started real uh, when I was really early, I read this this blog by the Thoughtbot people about like the project setup. They have a little mm-hmm. little script, like bin setup, whatever, to just get the project set up for everyone just cloning it and so on. And I'd like to have these these helpers to like, apart from the usual setting up your database, seeding your database and so on, to provide little helpers for users. And and Thor is a, a good way. Rake works, but sometimes you need a little bit more customization. You need some extra options. And then, yeah, Thor is just there. That's that's pretty much the gist of it. Why I'd use it. And the learning curve, yeah, documentation is pretty decent. Like for mo- most most things, you can get started real quick. Yeah. I guess I guess my institutional brain damage is I did operations before I did development. And so I, I would reach for a shell script for like a setup script before I'd go to a like a command line Ruby script. And so yeah, it's it's kind of interesting to think, oh yeah, I guess you could go that direction, right? Yeah. So also bash um big like uh, okay, I, I like command line applications, of course. <laughs> I like my bash, right? But it's not that like when it comes, for example, to argument handling, as soon as you need to handle a bunch of arguments, like people are going to disagree yeah. with me there. But like, it's just not fun. It's not fun. And, and just doing it in plain bash, it just isn't. So why not use a tool that that makes it easy? Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. yeah, I always have to go look up. The, how do I do the argv blah, blah. In exactly. The like, okay, strip, I, I can't remember. And then, yeah. Yeah, so short arcs, long arcs, uh, what you have, like optionals. Yeah, I can never remember that either. But I know it's like a 50-line thing Mm -hmm. to support like a handful of arguments. And yeah, it's like three and four. So why not? I want to support flags, minus F for this, minus P for that. Uh, Yep. Don't forget, Ruby has the uh, option parser too, just to throw Mm -hmm. it in there. Okay. What's the option parser? It's a one of the core libraries. It, it basically lets you simplify the usage of argv so that you can add flags and things like that. And it does validation. Ooh. Some parts are nice. The syntax takes some getting used to, but it does. Yeah, think, and yeah, you can do a full CLI application with it, but it, it's cumbersome. Yeah, I think Trollop does a lot of that work for you too. I think they renamed it, but I can't remember what they named it to. So anyway. Hmm. I haven't heard of that. What what was that? Like Trollop? Trollop. Yeah. T-R-O-L-L-O-P. And it handles a lot of the flags Mm -hmm. in your command line apps. I've never seen OptPass before. Wow. Valentino, you've you've opened my eyes to a new part of the Ruby core library. Yeah. I I didn't know that was in the Ruby core. Oh, yeah. I I had uh I maintain this library called Git Reflow and it's like a Git command line helper tool and I had used uh, the CLI I think it's just the CLI gem which gives you very much similar syntax to how Thor handles their command line you know it just simplifies it and I was like ah, I I want to get rid of this dependency I had some issues like upgrading gems before so I'm like how do I just get rid of this and use Ruby like is there anything and I'm looking through it and I find this option parser and it does everything you need. <laughs> it's, it's just the syntax, like I said, it, it takes some getting used to. Yeah, it's super nice to know though. Yeah. Like I always try to strike balance between like usability and then what's already there. Like don't pull a gem, gem in if you can accomplish the same thing. 
that you're trying to do. Like, so I always say, like, if, if a rake task is good enough, if you don't need argument parsing or whatever, too much of it, it's also fine. I bought a with tool for, for example. Yeah. I went and looked it up. It Trollop is now optimist. We'll put a link in the show notes. Yeah. There's, there's so many of these. You see command line helper gems. I know there's also like, uh, if you're familiar with dangerous systems, where they do some kind of like uh, automated code review chores where you can set up some rules like for linting or it's just got a huge plugin system that they use. CLI aid is the name of the gem. And so they use oh. that. And then I know there's like, what was it the TTY suite of gems? Yeah, the TTY toolbox. The, right. They are, those are very nice, but it's almost like there's so many, so, so many like well-used ones too, right? Like uh, you might, I, I've come around to using Thor myself because Rails defaults to it, right? So mm-hmm. if they're going to continue using it and updating it and ensuring the Rails ecosystem works well with it, it seems the most long-term, but it's, it's hard to gauge when you're starting up a command line do I even start with Ruby to begin with, right? Is it the right tool? I don't yes. know if you have any yes, experience. Is. How is your experience with, like, say, Bash versus Ruby for this kind of... Yeah, it kind of go, goes goes back <laughs> to what I said. You, you kind of got... And also what you just said, you got to know kind of beforehand what are you going for. Like, maybe at some point you notice, okay, what I'm now trying to do just doesn't fit the, the language anymore. I'd say... I mostly just start with Bash when I want to, to build something real quick. And as that evolves, as I notice, okay, I, I need arguments, I need to do some very specific things, I need to call some third-party libraries or what, what have you, then I kind of migrate to using another scripting language, which for me is Ruby. I don't know that many other scripting languages, a bit of Python, but not that not that well. So, yeah. But mostly, mostly bash. I, I actually recommend if you're into the command line, you got to start. <laughs> got to know your bash at at some point sooner or later. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say. I mean, just to your point, you keep saying it. You know, you have. It's a good thing to know, but in my opinion, it's one of those critical pieces. You don't have to know all of it, but you have to be familiar enough with it to use it. I just see people stumble through that. It's that is Git, and yeah, there are tools that allow you graphical tools that allow you to do git but what i find is that if i get into a re- really hairy spot with git you kind of have to go to the command line so understanding git on the command line there are a handful of other places that you just you really have to understand what is available to you there and yeah understanding bash or z, z shell or fish or whatever you're using and then the the uh, scripting capabilities of it <laughs> it'll save you so much effort yeah, agreed. You don't know, you don't have to know it inside out, but just right. some basics gets you, gets you a long way, definitely. Mm-hmm. And I can't, I can't say to, to be very, very, to be very proficient with bash um, and seashell. I've never done any scripting specifically in seashell mm-hmm. either or git for that matter, but I know my way around and that for 90, 90% of the cases or 95 that crop up on a day by day basis, it's just, Good to have that in the toolbox. Yeah, and a lot of stuff starts off as a Bash script and then becomes a Ruby script when you need to downcase a string or convert something to a number and add it, or there's a loop 
and you don't want it to just continue on regardless. But that fell out of favour a lot in years gone by. It would have been about 2014 when I was doing a bit of sysadmining and everything was just a bash script. You know, everything was a bash script. Mm. And a lot of this stuff like Puppet and Ansible came in. These kind of puppet, obviously being the the Ruby based one, and I think it's it's not Ruby anymore. I think it's um closure now, but puppet was a kind of Ruby one, and it moved to this kind of declarative system where instead of having the explicit commands, it kind of says or well, eventually exists. And this is what I find. This is really you know where the rubber hits the road, and you move to Ruby is where you kind of care what state it's in. As soon as mm-hmm. you're not just kind of going bang, 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 and you're making decisions, this is where the Ruby stuff really shines. Yeah. Like every tool has its, has its place. You're not going to, I don't know, tear down a wall with like a, a chisel or whatever. It's just like not not the right tool for the job. Hans, I want to circle back to your article real quick. All right. How did you test this? Did you, did you test this? <laughs> I did test that. Why? Uh, I'm, I'm you curious. Well, I... <laughs> No, no, no. I'm curious what, what your testing process is for command lines, because I've had a lot of issues kind of testing command line applications, especially with Ruby, but just in general. I'm wondering if there was something in your toolbox that you use for dealing with this. Yeah, so in that particular case, I just didn't care about testing too much. <laughs> like, to, be, to be upfront, I just tested this one manually, like start the server, start the, the, the workers, start the command line app, see how it goes. But it's a good question generally. Like I struggle with that a lot as well. And what I usually reach for is just abstracting the, the business logic, so to speak, away from the interface as much as possible, which is kind of what we also do in Rails, right? You don't write a system test for every single thing. You try to keep your controller small and so on and, and test the business logic, uh, test the models because it's faster and so on. That's what I go for com- with command line apps as well. Just keep the adoption parsing, keep the thing you can't really test very well because you need to start the terminal for that really minimal and test everything else in isolation. That's what I go for. Yeah, yeah so uh, at work, I've, I've talked about some of the gross stuff we've done, right? Like uh, loading and unloading the whole database into a spreadsheet, right? <laughs> Which is sad. But uh, the way that we've done that is actually with the rake task. And I don't know who did it. And I don't know why they did it. And I, it, it's painful for me to say this. But yeah, they, they wrote a test that actually calls rake and has rake run the rake task. And so in the middle of your test output, it has all of the all of the print output and everything else, which is gross, drives me crazy. And yeah, all of that stuff is just terrible because effectively then it gets buried in all of the rake crud, right? That is there. And instead, a lot of that stuff, yeah, you move it away from the interface, you test the class or the module that you put the logic in, and then you just assume that rake, when it calls whatever method does the work, is going to do it properly. Exactly. Like uh, the way you described, you have to worry about so much input streams, maybe output streams to log in. You have to worry about the file system. Like, is the file created? Is the file created in the correct, like, does it contain the, the correct data? And if you just choose your interface wisely, can abstract of the way and hopefully just work with maybe a bunch of strings if it comes to that. Yeah. I'm going to go in my corner and cry now. I know, that. <laughs> I know there is a gem, uh, Aruba, that 
is helpful for testing command line applications. I, I think its dependency is on Cucumber. So it has like a Cucumber-y Gherkin syntax. I know I, I just have this issue myself, like uh, creating the temp directory and then running these commands on their own, like as if you're running them. And some you can't do that, right? Like if you want to push to a remote repository with Git, like, or anything external to your mm-hmm. local system, that's going to be something that you want to know happens, but don't. The side effects are always a little different depending on the context, right? This um, is why you always test in production. Yeah. <laughs> 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 well, one thing I'll say, though, about, you know, you mentioned Rake. I've had many issues with Rake and arguments. Well, know, arguments and Rake are the worst. They're the worst, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> And what I've seen a lot of my coworkers have started doing, and I'm coming on board with it, is converting rake tests that require arguments into Thor commands or Thor actions. And then they give you a lot of the niceties of the arguments and a lot of extras. And, you know, it, it kind of makes sense. You're not using rake most of the time. You make a rake task to run a command that you want to do with a bunch of business logic. It almost makes sense more in the Thor context than the Rake when you're not using it like a build tool like Rake is made for. That's exactly how I ended up using Thor for a bunch of things. Like you write the Rake task and as soon as you hit the argument handling, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) you're like, yeah, no, I'm just not going to bother with that. Um, Just change it to .4, Mm -hmm. add a couple lines, you're good. Yeah. Are you under increasing pressure to ship code faster than ever before? Then it's time to work smarter with Raygun's modern approach to error and performance monitoring. Raygun gives you instant visibility into the health of your software, and what makes it so unique is that it not only tells you when something's gone wrong, it shows you exactly where it's gone wrong and how to fix it, right down to the line of code. Made by developers for developers, Raygun has built a suite of monitoring tools that are used and loved by thousands of software teams every day. Monitor every corner of your tech stack with widespread language support and native integrations with GitHub, Jira, Slack, Bitbucket, Octopus Deploy, and more for even greater visibility. Visit Raygun.com to resolve issues faster and deliver flawless digital experiences for your users. That's Raygun.com to get started on your free 14-day trial with plans starting from as little as $4 per month. Well, the the other thing is, is that, I mean, Rails in particular gives you that bin folder, right? It's already there. And all the other stuff that Rails wants you to be able to run out of there runs out of that bin folder. So yeah, why not just toss that stuff in there? It's, there's no downside to it, other than maybe that folder getting a little cluttered. But you have that same problem with your models folder or anything else. So just make sure that you're cleaning that stuff out. Absolutely. Yeah, I do have a I have a gripe with with running command line Rails anything really, in that you you have to load Rails in order to run whatever is after that, right? Like if you, even in rake task in a Rails application, it preloads the application. It's usually, you'll have like environment and then you'll point to whatever you're yep. doing as a dependency on the rake task. And in development, it's one thing, you might have it preloaded, but I feel like even still, it will it runs through loading so many files that you're not gonna use for that command. It's, I, it's a huge pet peeve of mine. <laughs> Running a yeah, totally. Line, I totally get that. Like, I've worked with a bunch of Rails apps that don't start particularly quick because they're like just grown a lot. And when you run a, a rake task and it like takes 
four or five seconds to to do anything that that gets you yeah so i feel no, yeah. i need to know about the whole world to downcase my strings <laughs> <laughs> that's that's one thing i'm hopeful for rails with the auto loader getting fixed is is being able to modularize that loading path That'd be a so better. nice yeah 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 i mean i i eventually just end up hacking up the environment really kind of checking the cooler and just bypassing the whole thing because uh, especially when you're kind of you want to get some momentum up and maybe you've got to kind of uh, not 20 seconds but we'll say eight seconds you've got that kind of lag on it that it grinds it really does grind so and then when you have to commit you have to kind of go oh no better not better not commit that bit <laughs> i don't want anyone to see my, my enormous rails bypass yeah but i've done that too where it's hey i just need this piece right and so i'll pull in active record and i'll pull in the model and then it'll say oh i'm falling apart because i don't have this other thing i need and yeah just kind of little by little because yeah i i care more about it being fast in that instance than i care about it just working and not caring about the speed. And I think what we're talking about here are those trade-offs, right? Because a lot of times it's just like, no, I just need it to work. And if it takes two minutes or 10 minutes, I don't care. And so I'm just going to go, hey, load rails, do my thing, right? Yep. Like you gotta, you just have those trade-offs. It's easy for development. doesn't necessarily mean easy or performant for usage. So rails gives you all that. You're on a rake task. You don't have to worry about importing anything. Yep requiring anything on your own but then again it, when you have to use it and you have to wait 20 seconds to run a down case yeah then so what one other piece of this because we're we've already been talking for 45 minutes ish that i wanted to get into was running the because we've talked a bit about command line apps and i think i think there's a lot of interesting stuff here but what i'd like to dive into a little bit is running action cable without rails like you you basically said skip all the web stuff right when you set up your rails app so how does that work did it did it just run like with with what you had you just did a cool. rail server and it just ran yep <laughs> so that i didn't actually know before rails gives you i think from 6.1 or 6.0 onwards it has actually this minimal flag where it just skips everything to pretty much get the database and, and a lot of nothing else like no no action mail, uh, no jobs, no nothing. And what's nice, it, it, it's so modular in that way. If you say, skip everything and just give me action cable, that, that just works. Like then you just have a basically a WebSocket server that runs action cable. That's about it. That's what I used. So I was like, okay, for the purpose of this tutorial, like I'm, I'm not going to need anything. I just need action cable and a full task. That's about it. Yeah, I read the blog post and I thought for sure you had skipped over that. <laughs> I thought for sure you were just like, yeah, so anyway, hand wavy. And then I had action cable running. So that's good no, to know. No, it's just that that command. Like it's a bit not tricky, but like if you want nothing, but just one thing, you got to skip everything. Like you have to manually, you have to manually specify all those flags that you want to skip things they want to skip and not skip that one thing you actually need but yeah i think so i'm not 100 sure about that but i think you can also add these things per command line after you've created a minimal app so that might also be an option don't quote me on that i would love a user interface with just a list of checkboxes of what you want to add your new rails app and then it just generates your rails new command for you <laughs> so there's this thing 
I think it's planned for 7.0 even. I, I'm not sure. An interactive flag. So the idea is it's still command line, so no checkboxes for you. But uh, the idea is, I think, to pass an interactive flag when you generate a new Rails app and you can decide interactively what you want and what you don't want. So that would kind of fit the bill. I'm very much looking forward to that. Oh, yeah, that's really cool. Let's see there we used to be something like that. that. Uh, I'm trying to remember what it was called, but there used to be a system like that where you could do a Rails. I don't remember if you used it with Rails new or if you ran this command instead of Rails new, but it would ask you, do, do you want to use ERB, Haml, Slim, or something else, You know, or using Postgres, MySQL, whatever. And so you would just select all those things out of there. I'll see if I can find it. But yeah, it would it would just so when you newed it up, yeah, it would take you a whole lot longer than putting in a whole bunch of command line flags. But at the end of the day, you would get what you wanted. You know, what you're describing is also kind of this, this templating thing. Like I said before, I like to have things set up quickly. I don't want to bother with pulling yeah. in a bunch of, of gems. And there's a lot of Rails templates, yeah. templates Rails. out there that kind of do that, right? Like um, Rails, Rails comes with a template reference flag. So exactly. you can tell it, I want to use this template. And that's all you need. And then it'll set things up the way you want. I'll put a link to that, the Rails guide for that too, because it's it's pretty handy. I don't see people using it a ton, but if if you're building Rails apps on a regular basis and you kind of want that sort of setup, it's pretty handy. Yeah, Rails Bytes um, that Chris Oliver created that, I think, is essentially that, right? It's a bunch of, of template scripts that you can load in for your existing... No, yeah, for your existing Rails app as well, I think. Or create a new one with the template, whatever. Yeah. I did check if there was a dash dash skip Rails option after reading this blog post. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it'd be a good, uh, a good idea for a novelty pull request if anyone wants to go and bomb a DHH. So, so what would you end up with? Just a Sinatra. <laughs> and just Sinatra. <laughs> it's just like, like a, pick a framework and just kind of install that. Yeah. Oh, there it is. It's Rails Composer. Oh, yeah. I've used that one before. Yeah. I don't know if it's still maintained. I haven't used it for a very long time. I think I came across it. I don't think it's maintained anymore. Really. But it was it was a cool way to go. I mean, I only yeah. used it twice because then it was like, no, I know what I want. You end up building your own template, pretty much. Yeah. That's what, what ends up happening. It's always really handy to have a working reference solution, especially when you're kind of uh, back in the day used to be debugging device problems. And you knew mm-hmm. that you knew it was your app, but you just couldn't track it down. So if you have like a kind of completely clean reference implementation, you can kind of start slowly copy pasting bits of your app in until it breaks. Yep. Anyway, interesting stuff. Yeah, the last commit on this is 2018. What I find fascinating about a lot of this is, yeah, it did actually use, hey, there's a link to Rails Clips, which was something that I did a long time ago. It one thing that I find interesting about this is just that it did actually just use the templating system for Rails, right? So you just said use the Rails Composer template, and then it would just prompt you for the stuff. It is nice to know that Action Cable just works by itself on its yeah. very easily. Uh, I'm curious to try other stuff like that, like a mail server or something. Mm-hmm. Action Mailer all by itself, just by itself. It it just receives and sends email. All the spam that you're getting, folks, came from Valentino. I, I guess, um, thanks to the test framework, this probably has really helped everything get more orthogonal, you know, because it does make testing a lot easier if you don't have to put in other stuff. Yeah, but all right. Well, anything else we want to hammer on with 
this particular setup. I, I just found it really fascinating, to be honest. Thank you very much. <laughs> I'm glad you enjoyed it. Something hmm, hammering on about that. Really, I mean, I can go on about command line apps and so on for days. It's just a, <laughs> yeah, a quick, so much. quick take on that. Yeah, we haven't even started, like mentioned <laughs> a, a couple of small things. I know like Seashell and Bash and there's so many nice tools out there. Yeah. So real quick, what's your what's your favorite command line tool in Ruby? Without, in, in Ruby? Oh, okay. That's that's a limitation. I really like the the TTY toolbox by by Piotr. Like there's so much stuff in there that I kind of want to use, but I haven't gotten around to to using because I don't write that many high fidelity command line apps in the end. If it's not Ruby, there's there's one thing like I recommend everybody that lives on the command line use, and that's like FZF. So fuzzy searcher. No, if you've heard about that one, probably it's well known. But if you haven't, definitely try it out. Like it's fuzzy autocomplete. Type anything and it it completes. So it makes searching the history or autocompleting stuff just so much smoother. And yeah, working with the command line a whole lot more interactive. So you don't have to remember all those pesky commands. Uh, that's nice. You're not the first person to uh, talk about FZF. <laughs> oh, I don't doubt that. <laughs> All right, good deal. Well, let's let's go ahead and do some picks. Hey, folks, if you love this podcast and would like to support the show, or if you wish you could listen without the sponsorship messages, then you're in luck. We're setting up new premium podcast feeds where you can get all of the episodes released after Christmas 2020 without the ads. Signing up will help us pay for editing and production, and you can go sign up at devchat.tv slash premium. Luke, do you want to start us off with picks? You've ambushed me. I was unprepared for picks. I was looking at the F- FCF. I was totally, totally <laughs> transfixed. Totally transfixed. What have I been doing this week? My word. So I've been doing a lot of Raspberry Pi stuff this week. A lot of 3D printing, a lot of Raspberry Pi, a lot of NFC. And I've been using the official Raspberry Pi touchscreen, which is really nice. This is a really nice kind of seven-inch screen. It's about 80 bucks for a seven inch panel so it's not massive value but it really distinguishes the the ease of use of this thing is what's really nice with all the other kind of mini computers then you generally have a setup phase so you have to kind of go to the go to the website and download the zip file and install the thing and uh, you can literally just plug it in and it works and you get a screen and the touchscreen also works with no calibration so uh, despite my other struggles then that's been that's been really good and uh, a few episodes ago i called out called out to peter zoo for his uh, ruby rubius walk along the seaside and pretty much the next day he updated it so there we are the power of ruby rogues producing blog post i would also say if hans isn't gonna shout about his stuff then the cli OAuth post also on hans's blog is very relevant because a lot of internal company stuff is now locked down behind OAuth. so the ability to kind of get in very easily to kind of OAuth secured login through gmail systems is very very useful for me and i think it will be increasingly useful in the future especially with two-factor stuff. Nice. Valentino, what are your picks? So uh, I'm going to pick some things that are kind of related to the CLI world here. One is uh, I've been listening to kind of tidbits of Destroy All Software by Gary Bernhardt uh, every morning. They're like 15-minute little clips that he makes. 
Uh, and in one of them, he uses a tool called uh, Make FIFO. And basically, what that's uh, it's a way to make a file descriptor as a pipe. So you can store a, a pipe into a, a file. And so all the input and output from whatever command you want that you send to it will be kept track in the file. And then you can just tail the file. It's really, really nice tool. My next pick is a talk by David Dollar, who used to work for Heroku, uh, making the Heroku, uh, you know, get push Heroku. Uh, he gave this talk on developer experience design, which is a really interesting talk on designing systems for developers uh, as user experience. He called it developer experience. So I definitely recommend checking that out. That sounds nice. Super interesting. Definitely will give that a listen. Watch. I'm going to throw in a few picks. First of all, I've been playing with just a bunch of different things. Uh, one of them for podcasting is Kajabi. So Kajabi just barely released their podcasting platform like three weeks ago. And I am really liking it. It's a lot simpler than managing stuff through WordPress, which is what I've been doing before. And uh, I'm really, I'm actually pretty sure I'm going to be moving um, all of devchat.tv over to Kajabi and uh, using that for a lot of our stuff. So anyway, if you're, if you're into podcasting, check that out. I'll put a link to the, the setup in the show notes. Um, if you click on the link, I get a kickback. But other than that, go check it out because it's pretty cool. Um, one other thing that I'm going to uh, shout out about is one other thing I'm going to shout out about. So my wife and I yesterday, we do our uh, date nights on Wednesdays. And so she surprised me with purchase of a float spa. I don't know if you guys have ever done this. So what it is, is it's you get in this pool and it's, it's a, it's a small pool. It's most, it's basically a tub um, and is full of salt water. And so there's enough salt content in it to where you naturally float, right? You don't have to actively float. You just lay in the water and you float. And you have to put uh, earplugs in your ears because otherwise the salt will build up in your ears and you know irritate your ears. But what that does is you kind of just lay there in the quiet, <laughs> you know. And the water is is body temperature, and so it's almost like just laying in nothing, just existing. Uh, for we did it for sixty minutes, and it really just kind of I didn't realize how much noise there was just going through my head, right? Stuff that I'm worried about, stuff that I need to do, stuff that I want to do, stuff that I've thought I want to do, people that I'm worried about, people that have stuff going on that that I want to kind of keep tabs on, stuff that I didn't even... I mean, some of the stuff I'm sure was stuff that is just an open loop somewhere that I don't even need to worry about anymore, right? And so if you lay there in the quiet with nothing to secure your attention or to add to the noise or keep your brain going for 60 minutes... It turns off a lot of that noise. And so, you know, I, I got out of there just feeling very, very refreshed, right? There was some kind of physical relaxation to it, right? Because you literally don't have to do anything active. You just lay there on your back in the water and you're not, you bump into the side of the tub periodically. But other than that, or in my case, my wife and I were in the same tub. They had a kind of a twice as wide tub. And so I'd bump into her periodically, you know, just as we kind of float there. But I mean, it was it was really cool. And so if you're if you're looking for kind of a a way to change your mental space a little bit, 
I highly recommend it. It was really great. I will mention too, though, that I'm not the kind of person that can just sit still for very long. And so I started getting a little restless toward the end. It was probably five, 10 minutes before they, the lights came back on. But anyway, it was, it was pretty awesome. I really enjoyed it. My wife and I both decided though, that next time we're going to do it in our own tubs. Cause, uh, yeah, she's like, I was worried I was going to bother you. And I was like, just floating there. But anyway, so yeah, I really enjoyed that. The book I'm reading is a political one and I don't want to fight about it. So I'm not going to bring it up. There was something else I was going to pick and I don't remember what it is. So I'll just save it for next week. Oh, I I don't want to save it till next week. So the other thing I'm I'm going to pick is on Wednesdays and I'm doing it this next Wednesday as we record this. But after that, I'm, I'm skipping a week and then I'm doing it after that. So Wednesdays at noon mountain time, I'm putting out this week an episode on kind of the default developer career trajectory that people are on, right? So you get into development and your career is kind of on this. It's it's an up and to the right trajectory for pretty much everybody, right? You get in and as long as you're consistently showing up, you'll gain experience and you'll be able to get a raise and and but and you'll continue on that track unless something else intervenes. But the thing is is that not everybody finds that kind of a career very fulfilling. And so I'm I'm going to be doing Q&A sessions. And there's going to be like 20 minutes of training and then just some Q&A after that until we run out of questions or until I have to get off the call. But I'm doing them on Zoom. You can show up. Just go to devchat.tv slash level up. And like I said, I'm doing it every Wednesday. And so if you're looking for, okay, you know, how do I get further ahead in my career? Or I feel like this thing's holding me back. Or I feel like if I could do these kinds of things, I could get further ahead. Or... I feel like I'm on the the default trajectory and I have no idea what to change, right? Come and just let me answer your questions. It's totally free. I'm not doing a sales pitch. I was going to call it a webinar. But to me, a webinar is you show up, they give you enough information to get you interested and then do a sales pitch. I'm not doing that crap. Don't call um, it a webinar. That's, that's a bad word now. Yeah. you know. So seriously, just come, ask your questions. And you know, I'll answer as many as I can every week. And if we don't get to your question, then you can send it in and I'll record it and answer it the next week and send you... You can come the next week and we can talk through it. But that's the other thing is I want people to show up because if they ask the question, then I can turn it into more of a not just, okay, I'm stuck. What do I do? Okay, well, where are you at? What are you dealing with? Who's the... Who are the people involved? You know, I get enough information to actually give you advice instead of just going, oh, well, generally, if you... Because everybody's situation is a little different. And I, I really feel like tailored advice is is much more helpful. And yeah, some of it's going to be the same advice for people in similar, similar situations, right? And I think there's general advice that works. But anyway, I really want to help people out with getting off that default career track and kind of taking them from the up and to the right to more up as they go to the right. So anyway, devchat.tv slash level up. And like I said, totally free. No sales pitch, no nothing. Just answers the questions. A little bit of training at the beginning. That's it. Those are my picks. Hans, what are your picks? Tough question. So speaking of of relaxing stuff, and we also talked about Vienna. <laughs> That's a great city. Uh, so I want to visit Vienna one of these days. Yeah, please. Please do. And, you know, give me, a, give me a call or something. I can show you around. So there's this open air cinema that I'm just in love with. It's called like... The cinema like never before. If you if you go to Vienna in the summer, listen, uh, go there. It's got the nicest atmosphere. It's like become my favorite place to be at in the summer. Just so relaxing. Love it. And they got some good movies, like artsy stuff and so on. 
super nice. Other pick, yeah, I've had a bit of a, a stressful week. I've been trying to release a new gem uh, orientated around performance profiling, and I call it Rails Mini Profiler because it's kind of inspired by Rack Mini Profiler. That's taken up a lot of my time. It's gotten a lot of traction. I'm really happy about that. Sadly, means I can't relax, and I kind of gotta <laughs> gotta keep keep working on it and fix all the bugs people find. But I'm I'm really really happy about it. and looking forward to that. And last one, my my wife got me the new Andy Weir book. I'm a big big science fiction fan, and he's got a, that's the guy that wrote The Martian. You know, probably mm-hmm. the movie. And yeah, got a new book project. Hail Mary, huge fan of it. Read it in like three days. It's just great stuff so really enjoyed that so i guess those three things are my my picks awesome very cool yeah i really love the martian so interested to see what comes out next i think he had another book that was took place on the moon i don't remember enjoying that one as much no artemis didn't enjoy it as much either but the the new one i enjoyed much much more yeah oh good deal i uh, yeah i i won't say that i dislike the book but like the Martian, I've reread like three or four times and yeah, same. pick up again. Artemis, I didn't pick up again. So, yep, same same. All right, good deal. If people want to find you out there on the internet, where do they find you, Hans? Well, the usual places. I think you put the the handles like Twitter or GitHub. Feel free to reach out. Um, reach out there if you find any cool CLI tools or like utilities that you like. Just send them my way. I'm always looking for stuff. Always interested in that kind of thing. Yeah, sounds good. All right. We'll put links in the show notes. Make sure everybody knows how to find you. And yeah, let's go ahead and wrap up. Until next time, folks, Max out. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit dot com to learn more.